Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of Believe in Saints is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Welcome to the first episode of Believe in Saints for the 2022 football season. I am David Grubb, and with me is East Carolina Hall of Famer and former Saints wide receiver Terrence Copper. Terrence, you've been hosting this podcast for a while now, so thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. Welcome back for another exciting season of Saints football, brother. Man, thanks for coming on, man. I'm excited about the season. I'm excited to see. I'm ready to get out of preseason so we can see some real football. That's right. We finally, you know, we got a great show for you today as we enter week one of the season. Later this week, we'll be back to preview that matchup with the Atlanta Falcons in week one, which is a great way to start the season. You want, I mean, you you can't ask for anything more than Saints-Falcons for week one with this franchise. You know this rivalry as well as anybody how exciting do you think it is for this team to, to, to have the Falcons with this new coach, new lineup, and, and to get the, you know, to, to have this opportunity to start the season? You know, it's, it's an opportunity that we can either take advantage of or it could hurt us. You know, so we got to come out. We got to be ready to play. I think we will be ready to play. I think this is a team that will go deep into the playoffs. But these first three weeks – could really tell how the division shakes up in the first three weeks. And that's something I've never seen before. First through three games in a row, you got division games back to back to back, you know, so these first three weeks can be tough. And it's a lot of spotlight, of course, on Dennis Allen taking over for Sean Payton, winning his coaching franchise history. The only coach to take this team to a Super Bowl and claim that Super Bowl championship. How good a job. Do you think that Coach Allen did during this offseason and during training camp in maintaining the certain standard that the Saints have come to expect over the last almost two decades, but also establishing his own identity as the head coach of this franchise? I think he's doing a good job. Uh, I think he's prepared. I think he's ready for this moment. Uh, The good thing about it is one thing that made Coach Payton a great coach is not just his offensive mind, but he had great coaches around him. And Coach Allen's in the same predicament, even though he don't have Coach Payton to run the offense, but he still got, you know, his, he got Pete right behind him. And Pete knows his offense like the back of his hand. And he's still running the defense. So he's in a perfect position to succeed, even with the new guys that's coming in, new players that came in. You know, it's, I don't think it's going to be a drop-off. I think they're going to be better than they was last year and before then as well. When we talk about a team that had a top-five defense last year and a team that was, mm-hmm. you know, a, 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 a top, couple tiebreakers had the good things shaken the right way um, from making the playoffs when they played more players last season than any team in NFL history. <laughs> so you look at that and you can't help Crazy. but be optimistic going into the season. Uh, definitely. 
the, the type of season we had last year with so many injuries we had, you know, it was unheard of. But for us to, to end the season the way we ended the season, you know, almost with an opportunity to to actually get into the playoffs, this year coming around, uh, new coach, new OC, new players coming in, more veteran leadership coming in, uh, and you still have that stout defense over there. And then you just added the, uh, added more weapons to the offense. You got Winston that's coming back. He's healthy. He looks good in the last preseason game he played in. So I'm excited, man. I know – I know Saints Nation, they're excited as well. Let's talk about Jameis, because Jameis is also somebody who's mm-hmm. got to emerge from the shadow of a legend um, in Drew Brees. He, he was supposed to get that opportunity last season before he had that season-ending knee injury. He was off to a very good start, 14 touchdowns, only three interceptions, was leading the NFL in completion percentage in the red zone, which, of course, is a very big factor in success in this league. And then you look at the relationships that he already had with this team. He was the leader of this team. Um, And you saw it even when he was injured, him being on the sidelines, motivating people. This team was his already. And he did that with an offseason having to split reps with Taysom Hill, not having an offense that was necessarily catered to his talents. And Sean Payton, certainly in the first three, four weeks of the season, had the training wheels on, not really opening it up. He also had no receivers playing with all backups at the receiver position. He had backups at the offensive line position um, in and out of the the early part of the season. It was not the team that you expected, and yet Jameis was performing at a high level. You give him a full offseason now where he got to work with Pete Carmichael, tailor this offense to to his talents, say these are the plays that I really like, and to work with those receivers, and you add in the Jarvis Landry, you add in Chris Olave, you bring back Michael Thomas, you add in his relationship that he already had with Marquez Callaway. You talk about Deontay Hardy. The sky's the limit for Jameis. It is. It is. And the crazy thing about it is Jameis always been talented. His talent was never in question, even when he was at Tampa Bay. It was his decision-making. And one thing he got a chance to do, he got a chance to sit behind Drew Brees, who didn't, who, Drew Brees don't throw a lot of picks. He, Drew Brees usually make a lot of great decisions. And he had a chance to sit behind and get coached by Coach Payton when he was there and Pete. So Winston never had a lack of talent. It was his decision making. And last year, one of the reasons why he was, he threw 14 touchdowns and three picks in the games that he did play is because of the play calling as well. They didn't put him in certain predicaments to where he got to throw the ball 50 times a game. You know, anybody that's throwing the ball 50 times a game, it's going to be tough on you. You know, so we had, we, we did a great job of limiting how we're calling plays for him. So, and I think it's, I think the same thing is going to happen this time. They're going to understand what he's good at, which he's great at the deep ball. He's great at play action, deep ball, you know, so they're going to call the plays that he's good at. And of course I feel like now he's learning more of the offense. They're going to open it up for him a little bit more. You know, what do you think about that? Because one of the things that you didn't get Drew Brees liked to line up in that shotgun because of his height, and because of his the, the the lack of arm strength, he needed to get rid of that ball quickly, make very quick decisions, let the ball go. Jameis now, you add in the element of play action because Jameis can hold that ball a little bit longer. He can stand a little bit taller in the pocket. And we even saw last year at times that he could put it down and run and, and, and take off for some yards mm-hmm. as well, which, you know, nobody really gave him credit for in the past as, as a mobile type quarterback. But he was able to do that. You add that in and to be able to now work with Pete Carmichael one-on-one, how much of an advantage is that for a quarterback to nap, to have those things at his disposal? 
Oh, it's huge. It's huge, especially to have an off season to where, you know, you can be in the film room with your OC. Y'all can talk about certain things. That was the biggest thing with but me playing with Drew Brees and Coach Payton. They was tied at the hip. Anytime you walk by the meeting room, those guys are in the meeting room. They're meeting. They're always talking. They was always on one accord. And now this is Winston and Pete. This is their thing now. You know, so they're always going to be on one accord as long as they're on one accord. You know, the ships are sail, sail as smooth as possible. But that is that is it. The fact that he can get around his office coordinator uh, and they can learn this offense and study defense together and understand how we're trying to manipulate the defense and how we're trying to get how we're trying to march the ball down the field. You know, sky's the limit for this team, especially when you have a quarterback that is competent in what he's doing. I mean, the big play was so reliant on Alvin Kamara the last few years because the Saints didn't have a lot of guys who could do that. But now you get Michael Thomas back, who's expected to play this week. You get uh, Chris Olave mm-hmm. in the draft, who's going to play opposite. You got Jarvis Landry, who might be the best slot receiver, um, or at least in the top three or four in the league, set records you know, for catches and yards in his first four or five seasons with the Dolphins before things got rough in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Your number one receiver, Deontay Hardy from last season, is now your fifth receiver in this lineup. Marquez Callaway, a guy who Jameis also had a great relationship with last year. At the end of the season, we saw um, him start to come on even without Jameis, make some big plays. This Saints receiver room, Jawan Johnson, who showed flashes of being that kind of um, – I don't want to say, you know, necessarily compare to, but, you know, he showed that the, the big tight end uh, be able to get downfield. And that's where the Saints have always had a lot of successes working the seams. He showed he could do that at times. Mm-hmm. Man, and you have Alvin Kamara to throw the ball to out of the backfield. And you can right. put Deontay Hardy in the backfield, maybe, and throw some screens to him in a Darren Sproles type situation. That's an abundance of riches that mm-hmm. the Saints have not had in maybe half a decade. And, and and all these receivers complement each other. They all do different things, you know, and they all bring different things to the table. Uh, so it's, I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to see what we look like in game action. I'm ready to see what we look like once we start game planning teams. Because, of course, in the preseason, nobody game plans teams in the preseason, you know. So you can – I don't really put a lot of weight on preseason games. Uh, but I'm ready for us to start this opening season with the Falcons, and I want to see what we look like after we game plan this team and just see what we can do. What are your expectations for MT coming back after two seasons of of basically missing two seasons worth of injuries? Um, We know his competitive nature. We know he, you know, he got the big contract. This is a guy who people, you know, you don't see him in top 15 lists right now for best receiver in the league. How much do you think he's motivated this year to show other folks, but certainly just to assert his dominance back for him, you know, in this offense and say, I'm still the number one guy. Oh, he's, he's definitely ready. I think he's, I think he's hungry to get back out there. And I think he's going to have a better season than what a lot of people may think he's going to have, even though, you know, he's a receiver. He hasn't played in a couple of years, but the type of the style of play that he plays with is going to allow him to jump right in and just, pick up right where he left off. It's not like he's this receiver that, you know, he's always, he's this deep threat that we always throw into. You know, he's a possession receiver that catches a lot of tough balls, catches a lot of intermediate balls. And that type of stuff, the way he runs his routes, uh, his size, the way he can catch, you know, that stuff is going to carry over, even though he missed a couple of seasons, but he can pick that right back up. That's an easy pickup. 
because it's not like he's one of those receivers, like I said, that stretch the field like that. He's a more intermediate type of receiver, one of them tough guys receivers. So he can jump right back in and pick right off, right, pick back up right where he left off. You didn't have a single Saints receiver last year to catch 50 balls. You could have four do that this year. Uh, it, it's just that deep. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you talk about the compliment, complimenting each other, talk about that a little bit more about how these skill sets do fit together. When you talk about, I mean, they could go to a to 12 pack and put two tight ends out there, three receivers, one back, and everybody's a threat. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Everybody that stepped on that field is a threat. Even once they get down in their depth, uh, guys that played last year, like I said, they got a ton of reps last year. They got a ton of experience last year, the receivers that that was playing. So, like I said, it just adds to their depth. It doesn't matter who's in the game. All those guys have experience. All those guys has made plays in their career. It's not like it's going to be too big for them for the moment. Uh, you got receivers like, like on the outside. Uh, I can't even pronounce his last name. What is uh, – Olave. We just drafted him. I can't pronounce his last Olave. name. Olave. Olave. He can run Olave. He can run any route out there. Any route, he can run it. He's a blazer. You have laundry that's in the slot. He can do things. You have, um, you know, just everybody that's coming back. They have different things that they can bring to the table. But the biggest thing that the receivers have to do, they have to. And I said this before on the podcast. They have to be able to block because you can't get eleven personnel, twenty personnel with three receivers. And they can't block on the edges and in the slot. That is going to open up so much more for them if they can block. If you can get the run game going with three receivers in, you don't have to have two tight ends in or or a fullback in, and you get a defense that have to bring in a nickel back, you know, because of our threat to throw the ball, they got to take a linebacker out and bring a nickel in. Guess what? If you got receivers that can block that guy, now that's one extra linebacker that's not on the field to help stop the run. So if your receivers can block, it's a huge advantage for the offense. Well, another group that's got to block is that offensive line, and it certainly was in flux last year. Um, there are some guys who are, you know, have, facing some critical seasons this year. Um, Eric McCoy is up for a contract extension. He needs to play well. Ryan Ramchek, I would think, didn't play his best football last season, and he's a guy that you expect to be playing at an all-pro level every year. Um, you still have concerns about Andrews Pete, you know, finishing a season. You, you, James Hurst has been a dependable guy for this team, but, I, you know, you can he play at that at a high level every week? And of course, Trevor Penning being out got some good news that he could be back by November, but that's still a good chunk of the season without mm-hmm. your number one pick. How good is this line and how, you know, can they keep Jameis upright and open up holes for the running game? You know, it's honestly, it's yet to be seen this year. Uh, I have to see it. I think we have an opportunity to have a good old line. I think the old line is good enough to get us where we want to get to. But at the end of the day, we got to be able to see it when them lights come on. Uh, like I said, we, we see what, you know, we see the names, we see the guys that's coming in, the guys we have, but we got to be able to see it when the lights come on. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's up to them. And that's going to determine where we go as a team. It don't matter how many weapons you have offensively. It don't matter who you have at quarterback, at receiver, running back. It don't matter if that offensive line is not doing their job. So everything really relies on his offensive line. Caesar Weiss, that's another guy. Number one pick, you know, um, last year he struggled at both center and guard. This is a big year for him, too, to kind of prove that he can lock down one of those positions. 
Um, you know, his growth is at that spot, at one of those, uh, certainly the guard, because you expect McCoy to be there for, for 14, 15, 16 games. Um, he's got to secure mm-hmm. a starting spot and hold it. Hey, he does. He does. But the good thing about it is the fact he can play multiple positions, it just gives you extra depth. It gives you extra depth. The fact he can play center, he can play guard. Uh, so I think he's he's going to lock down one of those spots. But it also loves the fact that he can give you multiple positions he can play. He can slide over and play this position, slide over, play that position. You need that depth, especially going through what we went through last year with all the injuries. You got to have guys that can play multiple spots and they're not just locked in. Oh, all I play is this position. All I play is that position. You got to be able to be be more diverse when it comes to playing different positions because it's going to help the team and help with the depth. As we talk about depth, certainly one of the biggest decisions of the offseason was impacted by how the Saints perceived their depth alongside um, certainly the personality and the contract demands. But you trade C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who was beloved by fans, um, was seen as kind of the Mm -hmm. the spirit of the defense in some ways, the the edge. Um, But that that – a year ago, we wouldn't have been talking about depth in the secondary. We were, would have been asking questions about the depth in that secondary. This year, depth doesn't seem to be an issue in the backfield. Yeah, you know, and that is the reason why they was able to trade him away. Uh, because, like I say, if, if we don't have that depth back there, there's no way you trade him. No way at all. You know, so, I mean, I like the fact that depth, I like the leadership we brought in, bringing in the Honey Badger in, because those guys are going to keep – Everybody going to hold everybody accountable. Everybody got to be held accountable. And that is the mark, the making of a good team when players are holding each other accountable. And when you bring guys in like that, you know, you want to play for a guy like that because his passion to win, his passion to play football just feeds out into everybody else. You got Marshawn Lattimore, who is maybe one of the, you know, certainly one of the top three, four lockdown corners in the league, but Paulson Adiba. Last year, expectations were not high mm-hmm. for him. He exceeded them all. And then there's just been raves about right. him all offseason. Right. You know, our secondary is probably one of the best secondaries. Truthfully, collectively, I'm going to say our secondary is probably top top five in the NFL when it comes to our depth, our, our players, how well they are. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm just excited to see what's going to happen with this, with this group, especially on the back end. Especially, I, I know our run defense is amazing. We always had a great run defense last year. Our run defense is right at the top, you know. So now you now you have a a secondary that's put together that's designed to shut guys down. You know, I I think our defense will be another top five this year as well. And you know, like you said, you bring in the Honey Badger and Teron Matthew. And one of the elements that had been missing from this defense was turnovers over the last couple of years. They had not had big plays defensively where they were able to turn, you know, flip the field quickly or get points out of the defense. Certainly, Teron Matthew has a reputation dating all the way back to college of making big plays and creating turnovers. Nobody's throwing at Marshawn Lattimore. But you get a guy like Paul Sanadino mm-hmm. who's going to have opportunities to make plays. Marcus May is going to have opportunities to make plays. Um, you know, this is a team that's going to now, Patrick Robinson's going to have opportunities to make plays um, and create turnovers. And the Saints have a pass rush, like you said. And, and with the defense that they do against the run, you're going to put teams in a lot of passing situations. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and one thing about the Honey Badger, he's, he's even better closer to the line of scrimmage. 
the closer he comes down to that line of scrimmage, the more disruptive he is. You know, so I'm excited to see these guys, man. I'm excited to see our linebacking core, uh, see how they're coming down, how they're going to be triggering. Uh, I'm just I'm just ready to see it. I'm ready to see it. Who's, who, who has the best um, chance of, of working alongside Demario Davis, who for some reason is getting better with age um, every year? I don't understand mm-hmm. why he is not recognized as maybe the top, you know, inside linebacker in the NFL right now, there are, if there, if there is one better, you show them to me because I don't see a guy who makes plays mm-hmm. sideline to sideline um, or understands what's supposed to be happening on the field as well as Demario Davis. Pete Werner's got to stay healthy. Certainly Cade Nellis has shown some flashes, but again, depth is not a problem in that linebacking core. Not, not at all. And I think going back to Davis, I feel like if he has another season like he had last year, I think he will start to get the respect that he deserves. Uh, because last year he was amazing. He was the anchor of that defense when it came to stopping that run. He was the anchor of it. And But if he backs another season up the way he did last year, I think he gets that respect that he deserves. It all starts up front with the defensive line. Um, the Saints have had a lot of injuries there over the last few years. One of the most surprising things was how good Cam Jordan was down the stretch um, of last season. I mean, mm-hmm. just s- multiple sack games, being a very disruptive force. Part of that is his, his partnership with Marcus Davenport. Do you see this being the year that Cam maybe starts to slow down or with that motivation of having the Saints all-time franchise sack record in front of him, uh, does Cam continue to perform at a Pro Bowl level? I think he's. I think he continues to perform at the Pro Bowl level, uh, and not even the fact that the things he done last year. It's just so much new energy just coming into the building. You know, it's so much new energy that came into the building, and it just motivates. It motivates players to want to play even better. It motivates players, even though even though we train and we're going to be locked in. But when you got that type of energy just coming in the building, we got a new coach. You know, we got the Honey Badger coming in. You know, it's high expectations for this team. We're super. We are. I really feel like we are a Super Bowl team this year. So when you got expectations like that coming into a new season, it just it just gives you more hunger, gives you more fuel to want to continue to develop, continue to work on the little things that's going to make you better. Uh, so I feel like he's going to continue to excel. How important is it? You know, Marcus Davenport's another guy that the Saints are holding on to some money for. They're, they're ready to pay him. Um, but the one thing that he has not been able to do is stay healthy. He's so talented, so disruptive, commands double teams, which is vital in this league. So, I mean, I think he's he gets more hockey assist type sacks because he allows other people to do what they do. Um, how important mm-hmm. is he to this defense this season? Very important. But like you say, he has, he has to stay healthy. Every, truthfully, everybody on that defensive side of the ball is important, just as important as the next guy at their position. You know, if you lose any of these guys, of course we have depth. But these starters, all these starters are just as important as anybody on that defensive side at their position. You know, so, but like you said, you got to stay healthy. He has to stay healthy. One thing Bill Parcells used to tell us all the time, uh, you can't help the club in the tub. You know, he used to always use that phrase. Like, if you're not accessible, how can we use you? You know, so it doesn't matter how talented you are if we can't use you. So he has to stay healthy, but if he stays healthy, man, you just have no idea how great he can be. One guy we didn't mention yet, and I think we, he, he's the player that we really need to focus on too, is Alvin Kamara, who last year 
they asked things of him that they had never asked of him. You know, 25 carries, 28 carries in games. Um, when the goal had always been keep him around 15 carries, but 25 touches. You want him to get the ball in space and create. Um, This year, having Mark Ingram from day one, having some of those guys behind him, um, Alvin Kamara, to me, is the most unique player in the NFL because he's never going to win a rushing title. But he's going to give you double-digit touchdowns every year. He's going to give you 50 catches every year. He's going to give you 800, 900 yards on the ground every year. There, there isn't another player like him. Mm-mm. And and the plays that he makes are big plays. Like there, he's the one. He's probably one of the best. Probably one of the most elusive running backs I've seen. Uh, his balance is crazy. Uh, he's hard to tackle. Uh, guys, guys may see a statue and feel like, oh, we can tattoo this guy. We can, but once you hit him, and you're trying to wrap him up, he's still running or he breaks those tackles. Like I said, he's very, he's one of those guys that he can do everything. If you want to put him in a slot, sometimes you can put him in a slot to do to, to, to do a few things. But of course, running the ball screens, you know, he just just get the ball in his hands, get him out in space, and let him go to work. But like I said, he's another weapon that that offense has. That, I mean, we always had him as a weapon, but when you add the other things around him, it just makes him even more dynamic because you're so worried about the other receivers that you may forget about he's back there. I mean, of course, they're not going to forget because how good he is, but it just shows you how many weapons we have that's at peak disposal. And how important is it then also with these other guys now, it keeps him fresh. You know what I mean? You don't have mm-hmm. to rely on him to do everything because last year he was the leading rusher, the leading receiver, all those things. <laughs> You know, you take some of that pressure off of him, like you said, to make those big plays, to be well rested in the fourth quarter and give you that opportunity to to burst for a 40 yard run, to make a big catch out of the backfield and not have to get that grind of running between the tackles. That's that's true, because as the season, not even the fourth quarter, as the season goes on, you know, once it starts getting cold, the weather starts getting cold a little bit, you know, those aches and pains of getting hit, especially if you got to carry the load almost the entire season. By the time it gets cold, your body is beat up. You know, you're not running the same anymore. You're not, you don't have that, that speed that you that you're used to having early in the season because you're getting beat up so much. You know, so it preserves him to really maintain his dominance throughout the entire season, which we're going to need it if we're trying to have a Super Bowl run. And let's close on that because as we get close to the season, the predictions have started to change. There was a lot of disrespect, I think, for the Saints in the early part of the offseason. I think people underestimated Jameis Winston. They didn't talk about him and his development and immaturity. Um, but now you look at this team and people are, are flat out calling the Saints uh, contender to win the NFC. And when I look around the NFC, I don't see any reason to question that. The Rams aren't better than they were a year ago. The Packers nope. aren't better than they were a year ago. None of, of the teams at the top – you know, San Francisco, great defense, but that's Trey Lance over there and Jimmy Garoppolo. They're not better than Jameis Winston. Tom Brady is older, and I don't think the Bucks are better than they were a year ago. And the Saints have won the last four regular season matchups with these teams. So the Panthers aren't, you know, aren't great. The Falcons aren't great. The Saints should win this division at the very least and be challenging for home field throughout the playoffs. That's true. I agree with it. And our first three games will tell a lot of how this division is going to shake up. Uh, like I said, the fact I just never seen a team open up with three straight division games. I never seen it before. So I mean, it's it's just so crazy. Your first three games can determine 
what the division looks like. You know, at the end, I've never seen a, I've never seen a season like this. I'm excited, brother. I'm excited. And um, when we come back later this week, we'll get into the matchups with the Falcons and we'll know the injury report and mm-hmm. who's going to be available. But I think to start the season, I mean, there's just a laundry list of things, like we said, to be really excited in Who That Nation. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about it, man. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to doing this with you twice a week as we go through the season. Um, and, and, and this is just going to be a lot of fun. So uh, you got any final words before we get out of here? Man, who that nation? Let's do it. That's it. So That's for, it. for Terrence Copper, I am David Grubb, and this has been Believe in Saints. Who that? All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.